much love. A woman laughing in the night. Shrilly, a voice in the night. Cuckoos! Raven fashion. It is a cactus sound. It prickles me. And curious, I rise, stealthily pulling back lace curtains that have come to me too soon. Silently I watch a taxi giving birth to a man and then a woman. She laughs again. She gropes for him, throwing back her head, hurling laughter from her mouth again like sparks, this time staccato, sharp. He fondles her and the cab leaves. I watch. She laughs again, and he silences her, but only for an instance, with a kiss. She laughs. She holds his hand. She leads him home, her prey, into her laughter lair, while I, too soon old, while still so young, watch bereft, alone, unseen. Whew. Thank you. Thank you. Whew. Welcome to right. season two, episode three. <laughs> woo, woo, Please tell woo. us why Moira Rose just read us a poem. Um, because that's how I imagine Daniel Steele sounds. That's right. And what um what was the name of that beautiful poem you just read us? Mm, mm, pardon me. That was called "Woman Laughing in the Night" Ooh. by Danielle Steele from her book of poems called "Love" by Danielle Steele. <laughs> Hello, Renee. Hi, Julie. How, How are, are you? you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm. I'm okay. My kids are in school, and we've already had. Multiple schools shut down because of COVID in Edmonton. So that's what's up. Oh, okay. Yeah. That sounds fucking terrifying. Sure is, Julie. Sure is. But you know what? It's okay because I have romance to keep me alight during this trying time. It's true. Keeps you warm. Keeps you warm inside. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to forewarn folks this week. Our theme was what? Books with Fabio on the cover. Fabio. Um, and we literally just went to a value village together, saw that there was a bunch of covers with Fabio on it, just grabbed two, put them in the cart, didn't even look at them, had no context. And forewarning, both are so <laughs> racist. So, so racist. racist. Profoundly yeah. racist. In the, probably the most problematic book I oh. have read to date. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. It is just, whoo. Um, the content itself, very racist. Extra racist when you consider that um, I think in both of our books, he's supposed to be indigenous. Is that correct? Yes. Did you have an indigenous man as well? Uh, sure did. So again, Renee and I <laughs> do not chat about our books before we start. Um, but in this case, uh, just so that we can, you know, react live. But in this case, before we started recording, I was like, so Renee. And she was like, oh my God, girl, me too. So Soup's racist on its own. Soup's racist when you consider that an Italian American man is on the cover pretending to be indigenous. <laughs> so we got a little red face action going on. Um, so who is Fabio? For folks who don't know, Fabio, I mean, iconic. Um, <laughs> Fabio Lenzoni in fact, um, is now 61 years old. And, Ooh, years uh, young. Yeah, 61 years young, for sure. Um, he's from Milan, Italy. And he started off as a model and is super into fitness, but really became known in North America for starring as the heartthrob on the cover of, like, countless truly countless romance <laughs> novels where he's super airbrushed and or made to look almost like a painting um a lot of chest like we're talking deep v 
in every photo. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, (laughs) but (laughs) for North Americans of a certain generation, he's also known as, do you remember when he was the spokesperson for, I can't believe it's not butter? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that. (laughs) Yes. Like, it was almost like satirical. Like he would make fun of himself and just be like there with his shirt open and his hair blowing in the wind and his like thick Italian accent. He would like eat a crumpet with it on it. And then they would be like, it's not, it's, it's not butter. It's whatever. He'd be like, I can't believe it's not butter. Anyways. (laughs) That's how I honestly remembered him as a kid. I was like, oh, he's the dude from that. And then my mom was like, oh, and on the cover of all of my romance novels. So that's also one of his like gigs. But the most famous Fabio anecdote happened in 1999 when, oh, yes, he, w- it did. <laughs> when he was riding Apollo's chariot roller coaster <laughs> in Williamsburg and got smoked in the face by a goose, <laughs> which died on impact and shattered his nose. Um, <laughs> and one of the few reasons why people... I actually was reading up on this because I wanted to remember the details specifically. And then someone wrote a piece last year saying, like, it's the 20th anniversary of Fabio's broken teeth. And and this, like, really interesting observation about how, like, because it happened shortly before the world of memes and social media, it didn't, like, if that happened today, he would be a meme for years to come. (laughs) Because the image is fantastic. Like, again, it's him. Not on the job, but still deep V. Like, there's two buttons maybe tied up on his shirt. His hair is loose and flowing and just shattered bloody nose. Like, it's so absurd. And the context of it is so absurd. Anyway, so that's kind of, like, what Fabio's known for. Romance novels, shilling margarine, getting a busted face. As for what he's still up to, he now has his own line of whey proteins and vitamins. um, Because he's real into fitness. So that's Fabio Lanzoni, known generally just by his first name, Um, Fabio, who is the star, the cover star of both of our books this week. So again, the books themselves, hella racist, but remember that we had to try to keep a straight face while these people describe this beautiful indigenous man that we all know is (laughs) Italian-American. So let me begin. Let me begin. And I will begin by saying I should have known this book was racist, but because I'm French, I picked up the cover and all and again head to our Instagram and or our Twitter, Ravage Love, to see the cover of both of our books. Um mine is Fabio looking over a woman who's like grabbing at her bust. Um and there's like mountains in the background. So I was I mean I figured it was like some sort of western type situation. Because I read the cover as Comanche Sunset. Um, some French. <laughs> it's in fact Comanche Sunset, which is an indigenous tribe and an indigenous nation oh, no. that is still um, in existence in the U.S. They are their own nation, so they have their own police force, um, their own schools, their own healthcare system. Um, so they are Plains indigenous folk who were known for being incredible on horseback. So their culture was nomadic, but really in the plains and very much about horses, which comes up a lot in the book. But a white woman wrote it, F. Roseanne Bittner, who's now 75 years old, and her last book was in 2019. So she's still churning out books. Um, My book was written in... uh, 91. So this book was written in 1991. Would have still been considered racist in 91. I think that's important to put out there. Um, but yes, F. Roseanne Bittner writes mostly historical fiction. So Comanche Sunset begins in 1834 with a 14-year-old indigenous woman named Slow Woman giving birth alone in the desert, worried that the baby belongs to a white rapist. Oh yeah, right from the jump, page one. Mm-hmm. Um, who attacked her and then killed the love of her life, uh, a man named Many Horses. So she gives birth alone in the desert, which I guess is, according to this book, part of tradition. She ends up having twins and didn't realize she was pregnant with twins. And in her culture, twins are considered a mark of evil because two people should not share a one spirit. So she can't heart having to see her kid die. So she leaves him there 
kind of like a Moses situation. Right. Then, okay. a white woman and her husband are pioneers. They're going um, to settle in the <clears throat> West, and they find this baby. She's had multiple miscarriages. She wants a baby, so she adopts this baby. Um, and they call him Wade. Um, <laughs> so, Wade is aka Fabio. <laughs> Um, then it cuts to 1860, where Jennifer Andrews is an orphan, which if you listen to our stories a lot, you know that's a common theme, who lives with mm-hmm. her aunt and her pervy uncle, who constantly hits on her and it's really creepy, and the reason why she lives with them is because her parents died in a boat explosion when she was a child that she was on, and has scars all over her back. So burns and scars are another common theme in this book. Her aunt dies. Now she's like, oh shit, who's going to stop me from being assaulted by my pervy uncle? So she answers a mail order bride ad in the newspaper. And while she's contemplating what to do, she realizes that her uncle also stole all of her inheritance. So she's like, he's a creep. He stole my money. I have nothing. I need to bounce. So her plan is, oh, this soldier who's like, you know, pioneering the West is looking for a wife. There's not a lot of women here. I'm a kind, gentle soldier. I just want a woman to make babies and whatever. And she's like, that's not really my jam, but it'll get me out of this situation. So she answers the ad and Anthony Enders, who's a 34 year old, kind of plain looking, he sends her a picture, just like an average looking white dude from Texas. And she's like, he seems like he has a friendly face, AKA I don't really have much of a choice. So she runs away from her uncle, goes to meet him, thinking he's just this like lonely soldier. But then you find out he's a sketch bag. Um, and that she was not aware of the fact that many of the people who joined the army in that part of the U.S. are fugitives um, who are just looking for a job where they don't ask a lot of questions. And it turns out that Anthony Enders is like a thief, he's a con man, he's a creeper, um, and he's like definitely going to not be nice to her. Um, And even though in the letter to her he said, you know, if you decide that you don't want to marry me, that's fine, you just have to pay me for the price of the ticket to get here. Um, he makes it known to everyone around him that he's like, this woman will be my wife, um, and I will do whatever it takes to get her. So, another theme in this book is sexual violence. Mm. So then she's on her way there to meet him, realizing like, ooh, this is like multiple weeks to get there from where she is. Um, and she is terrified being a woman, a young woman, 18-year-old woman alone. Meanwhile... We find out that she's on her way to uh, Texas to meet this man. So is a man named Wade. So Wade is now a 26-year-old beautiful man who works for his dad's successful freight company. And he is going to do some business for his dad in California. Now, the problem is that people are racist as hell. And so my conflict in reading this book is that I think she thought, the author thought she was being anti-racist by talking over and over and over again about how Wade was beautiful and Wade was raised by white people, so he was educated and he was, yes, she uses the word, civilized. Um, But that he looks native and enjoys having his hair long and loves being outside and loves horses and loves, you know, being on the land, but is a good indigenous man so very much playing into the racist trope of like the noble indian and i think she thinks that makes her anti-racist because everyone else just treats him and like literally calls him like awful names and like doesn't want him to ride in the car with him because like ew 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 so i think she thinks that she's like being kind but it oh anyways so jennifer is on her way to texas meanwhile wade is on his way to texas and you're like i've read enough romance novels i know where this is going um but then jennifer's carriage stops at like a little town and all of a sudden she gets like grabbed by these two dudes who try to drag her away who were paid by her uncle to send her back because her uncle's like i want this woman to come back to me ew wade obviously helps her so then she's like oh like you know you're really kind thank you so much nice to meet you blah 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 um and then he goes on and does his own thing except his horse gets hurt and so he has to shoot his horse and then take all of his belongings and walk to the next town where, sure enough, he runs into Jennifer again and then says, look, I don't have a horse. Can I just ride with you guys? And then the people in the car are like, no, we don't like Indians. And like, blah, 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 blah. Everyone's so unbelievably racist. Um, then multiple times, like, I'm just going to skim because this page is 500. This book was 500 pages and it's just a lot of repetition. <laughs> so again, one of the dudes on the, the carriage tries to rape her. Wade saves her again. 
Um, then their carriage is actually attacked by indigenous people. And everyone is killed, with the exception of Jennifer, who gets crushed by the carriage, so they assume that she's dead. And then Wade, who falls off the carriage because they made him ride on the top of it, because racism, um, he looks dead, but then he gets up, and all the indigenous people turn and look at him and stop and then run away. So he's like, what the fuck just happened? You just murdered all these people and tried to rape Jennifer um, because, again, racism. Um, and so he, like, <laughs> saves her from being raped. And then these dudes are like, oh, take a look at him and leave. And he doesn't understand why. Well, it turns out it's because he looks like Wild Horse, his twin brother. And so these indigenous ah. people are like, what the fuck are you doing here? Why do you look exactly like our like leader? Um, so then begins this whole thing where Wade is trying to figure out to find his brother. Um, and Jennifer is finding out more and more information about this sketchbag soldier that she's going to see and is like terrified that he's not going to be who he claims to be. And then on this multiple day journey on the carriage, Wade and Jennifer fall in love because he's so kind to her and then he's like you know but we can't be together because I'm quote a half breed mm. um, but she's like I don't care I love you and he's like well I need to go find my family I need to go find my roots um, so then sure enough she mens- she ends up meeting up with Enders the mail order bride but um, and the plan is Wade is going to bring her to her mail order bride husband she's just going to wait him out for a few weeks Wade is going to go find his family, then he's going to come back, pick her up, and then they're going to go back and start a life together. Make sense? Stay with him for two weeks. Just hold him off so you don't have to fuck him. You don't have to marry him. Just make him seem like, oh, you know, I'm I'm tending to my injuries from being crushed by a carriage. I'm going to go do what I need to do while I'm in this part of town. I'll pick you up, and then we bounce. And she's like, cool. Well, it turns out, obviously, (laughs) he's garbage, tries to rape her multiple times. There's, like, another little woman in the village who has to save her. Then Wade finds his family. He actually finds his mother who um, is dying and was like, my dying wish was to meet my son and like, blah, blah, blah. And like, it's like this like kind of beautiful moment, frankly. But then it turns out that they need to fight to the death. Uh, To be clear, him and his brother, not him and his mother. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So because they're both twins and you can't have two spirits occupying, or, you know, one spirit occupied by two people, according to this book, Comanche tradition is the twins have to fight to the death. And I'm like, oh no, oh no. And they do. Um, And he wins. Wade wins and kills his brother, Wild Horse. And everyone is like, okay with it because they think that that's what needed to be done. But Wade is like all distraught because he's like, you know, this is my family, my blood family. And I can't believe that I had to do this in order to find peace. And then all the white people are happy because they're like, Wild Horse was wrecking havoc on our lives and like doing all of these things. So like, thank you for saving us. And then the indigenous people are like, I thanks, I guess. Um, good to know you're around. <laughs> like, it's such a weird, inconclusive what the hell happened. Um, and then that's it. Then they run away together um, and they save another little white girl that the indigenous people had kidnapped. They decide that they're going to bring her home and Wade is like, well, my mom's all about rescuing sad orphan children, so she'll help us raise you. And then they take the white girl and Jennifer and Wade sail off into the sunset on their little horses and decide to go back to his rich, rich, rich family with a freight company and like help his dad with the company. The end. Um, so, yeah, right. Like real bad. And I glossed over the amount, like I'm telling you the amount of times that there is insinuation or just straight up, like, Oh, this one's about to be raped. At one point, wild horse pretends to rape her just so that Wade can hear her screaming and just to torture Wade. Like, it's just unbelievably fucked up. Um, mm. And I would say triggering for that reason, but also just triggering for the amount of racism in it. But um, <laughs> that's Comanche Sunset. Uh, in terms of genital descriptions, I was horrified. I mean, there was fucking. So they do fuck. It's pretty graphic. 
Um, I'd say pretty hot if you can get past like the incredible racism, which I just like couldn't get past how offended I was by this book. But there is multiple cases of fucking. Um, but oh, satiny juices, satiny no. juices, satiny juices, multiple times, Renee. Uh, multiple times he referred to her WAP as satiny juices. And I was like, <laughs> no! Um, so in terms of my rating on the spice factor, I'm going to give it two out of five second degree burns. Um, because <laughs> she had a burnt back um, from her childhood trauma. Then when the carriage lands <sighs> on her, her leg is fucked and he repairs it. But then it gets infected, so then he has to burn the infection out of her legs, so she has scarred up, burned legs. She always, she's just like Christ. a real burn victim, but they make sure to emphasize her face. Her face is so beautiful. That's really what counts. Um, Comanche Sunset by F. Roseanne Bittner. What a journey. What a journey. Tell me wow. what you read, Renee. My book, like yours, Features Fabio on the cover as an indigenous man. Uh, my book's name is Savage Thunder. It's by Joanna Lindsay. And Joanna Lindsay, um, like your author, known for her historical fiction. Um, she passed away in 2019, but um, she had a very long career between 1977 and 2019 before she passed away. So um, she's originally from Frankfurt, Germany. And now that I know that, it changes... <laughs> everything about this book for me from the author's perspective however um my book again horribly racist just like yours horribly racist um i'm just gonna hop right into it I'm gonna hop do right it. Into it do um, it my I, my my character's name his christian name julie is colt thunder and he is like yours a half-breed oh, um boy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but his his indigenous name is White Thunder, <laughs> which means Julie that the Savage Thunder in this book is my main character. He is the Savage Thunder. Oh, so not just right off the bat, Julie. That's how you know how racist this book is. <laughs> uh, so it opens on a ranch that belongs to the Callens. Um, and Colt Thunder is a ranch hand at this, at this place and he's passing as white. So he has a half sister and a half brother. Um, the half sister grew up with his father. He grew up on a reserve and his brother grew up in Chicago, like all like different moms and like that. It's, it's messy. So Colt Thunder's passing as white, um, on this ranch, he's courting the ranch owner's daughter, uh, who's a white woman. And this guy shows up as a new ranch hand and he's like, wait a minute, that's a half breed. And then the dad flips the fuck out. He's like, you've been courting my daughter. And so he gets this guy named Ramsey Pratt, who's an ex bullwhacker out to just whip him to death. So they tie him to a fence post and they start whipping him to death. But because he's like stoic AF, because he's like, you know, an indigenous man in this book, um, he never cries. He never cries, he never screams. And so Ramsey Pratt's really pissed off and she's beating the shit out of him. Then his sister, Jessie, who lives next door, like further down, but like their neighbors, shows up ready to just fucking kill everybody because they're beating up this guy and her husband shows up, they save the day. That's how the book opens. Um, basically ends with this whole thing where he's like, I'll never love a white woman again, but we know better. Um, <laughs> so then we cut to, um, England. So we're in Cheshire, England. This is taking place in like the late 1800s. Um, so Vanessa Britton, oh, um, no, sorry. Jocelyn Fleming is a duchess and she's 19 years old. Jocelyn grew up on a stud farm in England with her father. Now, Jocelyn, not being of royalty, became a duchess because Edward Fleming, the Duke of Eton, used to buy his horses from her father. And he met her when he, uh, when she was 15 years old um, and he was 55 years old. And he really liked her. He trusted her judgment on horses. He ended up buying 
horses from her directly. And then he decided that he wanted to offer her marriage um, so that he would have a companion because he's dying. He's going to die. He really likes this young woman. He wants to get her off this stud farm and like have some money and things. He has no heirs. He has nothing. So he proposes marriage to her. They get married. Um, He's like 58 at this point and she's 18 years old. So they get married. Um, They never fuck which is important to this story. They never fuck, um, even though she's like, I'll fuck you. And he's like, no, I can't. So uh, he he's dying. He's preparing to like send her abroad because he has one distant relative named Maurice Fleming, who's the heir to the dukedom. Um, and he's a cousin. And basically he wants to control the entire estate. And so he, so Edward has to send um, Jocelyn away so that because she's not 21 years old yet, um, that he, she doesn't have her finances taken, uh, taken a hold of by this cousin. So she and her companion, Vanessa, who is an countess, who's also a widow, they hit the road with like a huge, um, huge, 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 like entourage of like guards and shit. And they just start to travel the world. Um, and the reason they have to stay on the move is because Maurice has sent a hitman after um, Jocelyn to have her return to England so he can control her finances. But this goes on for years. So she reaches the age of 21 and Maurice can no longer control her finances, but the um, hitman now has a personal vendetta against her because he never caught her. So um, fast forward to Arizona territory, 1881. Jocelyn has just come out of Mexico. Um, She's traveled to like the Middle East and now she's gone through Mexico. Now she's heading uh, further north and she's in Arizona territory. John Longnose, which is the Englishman that's that's chasing after her. His name's actually Elliot, but she never learns that. So they just call him John Longnose. (laughs) And and he is like Wile E. Coyote, basically, like... It just keeps setting up these huge elaborate like traps to catch her. Um, and so in this instant, in this instance, she um, and her entourage are traveling down this little path, I guess, in the desert or something. Um, and he, he has it set up so that he's going to cr- drop a boulder on them. <laughs> and... Um, so he he sets this up. He uh, shots are fired, so the horses run. He goes to drop the boulder. Um, it doesn't hit them. They keep running, but then like half of her entourage is separated from her, and her horses go nuts, and they like kind of careen off this hill down towards like a fucking like water hole or something, <laughs> and they crash. In walks Cold Thunder. So Cold Thunder comes across this humongous like gaudy ass wagon so they're in like the wild wild west and she's driving around in a like big sky blue wagon which i'm like that's dumb girl are you dumb um so he comes he helps her out of the wagon um vanessa's also in there she's like just leave me i'm okay so she takes her out and then he realized oh shit she's a white woman and uh she's like who's this handsome piece of ass um because the british don't have um any idea what marginalization is <laughs> in terms of the color of your skin so she really really wants to fuck this guy he is fuckable um she just wants to, like get on it um eventually her entourage comes and she's like colt thunder let me hire you to be our guide we have this person coming after us you seem to know the west so can we please hire you and he's like no bitch no i'm no um and she's like damn it um now the reason she is just hot to trot for this man is because she wants to remarry you know she's she's young she's like 21 years old at this point she was married she's rich as fuck she wants to remarry but julie she's a virgin oh she and her husband yeah her husband had an affliction i.e. impotence and she doesn't want to sully his memory by remarrying and her new husband learning that her hymen is still intact 
So aye, aye, aye. that is the plot of this story that the uh, Jocelyn needs to get her hymen ripped. And she decides Colt Thunder's going to be that man. I mean, does anyone not want to get fucked by a man named Colt Thunder? I mean, it screams oh. poor name, but I'm still here for it. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Uh, so, so she's really disheartened because like, he's like, I'm not going to come work for you. Cause he's just like, he's obviously thirsty for white women. Like that's the message in this book is that he is only really attracted to white women, but white women hurt him. Um, And so he's like, I have to stay far away from her so I can control my urges because I'm a savage. So he's on, he's on a mission to retrieve his younger half brother because his younger half brother was supposed to go to school to become a lawyer. um, But then was like, I want to be a ranch hand and like disappeared. So Colt is out there to retrieve him. He finds his brother in a bar in this town called Tombstone. And his brother's gotten into some trouble with some outlaws. One of them who wants to be called Billy the Kid, but isn't actually Billy the Kid. But Billy the Kid's died at this point. So he's adopted the moniker. <laughs> fun fact. So he gets into trouble with these guys. He can't leave. Like he thought he was being hired on to be a ranch hand, but it turns out they're outlaws and they're, and they're troublemakers. And so he's like, shit, I can't get out of this. So Colt Thunder's like, I'm big and scary. So like, don't worry about it. I got you covered. Um, so <laughs> he finds his brother and then he's like, he kills this Billy, the kid guy, zero consequences for his actions. Um, and <laughs> he's about to leave town, but then his brother, whose name is also Billy, there's like four Billies in this book. Just fun <laughs> So Billy, the brother, sees the duchess come into town and again like she's so gaudy like she's one thing they the the way they describe her is her hair is flaming red her eyes are like jade green glow in the dark she's skinny as hell and she's super pale and i was like that sticks out in the wild west like Uh she looks like a like a vampire or something so but everybody's like she's so ugly but colt's like no she's not she's real cute so Billy meets her and he's like, oh my God, like, tell me about your stuff. And she's like, okay. And then he's like, oh, Colt Thunder's my brother. And she's like, really? So she's like, Colt Thunder, I want you to be our guide. It's not, it's not safe for us out there. And he's like, no. And she's like, I'll pay you anything. Money's no object. And he's like, no. And she's like, literally anything. He's like 50,000 Western dollars. And she's like, okay. And then makes it rain. And he's like, fuck. Um, and then meanwhile, Billy's like, Yahoo, because he got all this money. So they, they agree to be their guide. Um, and they they recognize the situation where it's like this long nose guy is after them. Um, and we can't it constantly cuts back to him like scheming. He's like, yeah, so I'm going to drop another boulder on them or paint a big black hole in a wall and they'll crash into it. Like it, constantly this. Um, and so he. uh they hit the road. They're kind of going all over the place to kind of throw this guy off his scent. And Jocelyn's just getting hotter for this man. And he's real thirsty for her too. But he's like, I hate all white people because in this book, reverse racism is a theme. Also, just like your book, back scars is a theme. Oh, interesting. Because yeah, his back is just like fucked up from being whipped. Right. Uh-huh. Um. So they're, they're kind of like, Jocelyn keeps trying to like get his attention. Cause she's like, I want to seduce this man. Um, and he's like sleeping away from their camp, like the whole kit and caboodle. So when one visit, she like, he's out by some horses and she heads over, um, to him. And, uh, she's like, Colt, what's, what's happening? And he's like, you need to stay away from me, Duchess. And she's like, I don't know. And he's like, I won't be tender with you. And she's like, Oh, all right. Like, that's okay. And so he just, like, out of nowhere, like, grabs her hair and, like, rips it back and then kisses her really hard and, like, bruises her face. And then her entourage is, like, roll back up. He's like, she asked for it. Um, but she's still horny for him. And so her 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 pal Vanessa's like, sweetheart, I know you were really into those Mexicans who were obviously too dark for you. Um, this guy's lighter skinned, but people say he's a savage and I don't think he's going to be gentle with you. Do you really want that for your first sexual experience? And she's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I really do. 
So she goes and sneaks up on him again a second time. And she's like, dun, 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 dun. and he's like, bitch, like, I know you're here. Like, there's a mountain lion behind you. Like, you're not being safe. Where's your people? Like, you could just get snatched out of the air. And um, she won't leave him alone. And so he's like, okay, well, I'm going to just scare the piss out of her. And he um, basically, like, attacks her to the ground, then shoves his fingers in her pussy. What? Yeah, to to prove to her that he's a savage and that she needs to stay away from him. Um, and she's pissed, but it's like, I kind of like it, all right. But she's like, fuck you. And so she, like, takes his gun and shoots at this other mountain lion and then, like, steals his horse. And it's just like, oh, well, she's she's got grit. Like, she can shoot guns and ride horses. Maybe she's not what you expected, Colt Thunder. Maybe she could love the savage out of you is the theme in this book. So finally they're in this little town, this little like hotel. And she's like, tonight's the night I'm going to fucking, you know, seduce this man and it's going to happen. But he doesn't show up. She like calls him to his court, her quarters. He doesn't show up, but some other dudes show up to like ransack her apartment. So she jumps out the window and this is when it gets interesting, Julie, because Cold Thunder can parkour and he parkours <laughs> well. So Cold Thunder comes and catches her. She's like, hanging off of this pipe in her skivvies and he's like i'm just gonna parkour up there and catch these bad guys so he does he catches them um there's no purpose they're not sent by a long nose they're just thieves trying to rob a duchess who has a huge military entourage but whatever they're not smart in the west so cold thunder fucking parkours back up but she can't go in through the front because she's in her fucking skivvies so he like i don't know force pulls her up through the window and she's like, oh, I'm so sweaty. And he's like, I can't control myself anymore. And so he like jumps on her and they're going to bang. This is it, Julie. This is the night she's going to lose her V card. He's like, I'm not going to be tender with you. And he fucking sticks it in and he hears an audible rip. Oh! And, and like, not a record scratch, but maybe that too. An audible rip of her hymen just blowing open. And then he realizes, oh shit, she was a virgin. So then he's tender with her. Cause he's like, um, so now she's hooked. She is done. It's over for her. She's down to clown with cold thunder. Um, but they go on. He's avoiding her. Cause he's like, that can't happen again. Like, no, no, no. And she's like, but I wanted to. Um, and then meanwhile, Vanessa meets these like, uh, this brother and sister combo who are like, we were rich and then we got our money stolen. So now we're stranded. And she's like, we'll join our entourage. We'll take you back to where you're going. Um, but it turns out they're a con couple and Ooh. he like marries rich widows, then murders them for their fortune. So they were expecting her to be like this old woman, but instead she's like unconventionally attractive. So, he decides he's going to ask her to marry him, but she's like not into it. And she's like, I can tell you're a fucking liar. So like back up. He's like, well, at least let me take you to this meadow that I saw. It's really beautiful. Um, so it's like, she goes off on a horse ride with him without her entourage. And he ends up delivering her to long noses men. And uh. so, so it was like a setup the whole time. So it's like this one guy and this guy named Angel and Angel shoots the the con man in the face and then kidnaps um, Jocelyn and starts to take her over to Long Nose. And she's just like sparring with him like wit wise. He's like, it's not your day to die. <laughs> so they get to the camp where Long Nose is and he wants to strangle her because like power dynamic. Right. So he wants to strangle her. But then he's like, I'm just going to pass you around and all the men can like have their way with you before I strangle you to death. And she's like, okay. And then Angel's like, you know what? You didn't tell me she was hot. So I'm going to keep her. Um, and I'm going to fuck her. Like she's mine now. And she's like, what? And because Angel's a really good shot, he like is like, I'm going to just kill everybody if you try and come after us. And they're like, oh no. So he takes her away into the mountains and she's pissed. But then he delivers her to Colt Thunder because Angel is pals with Colt Thunder. We had no idea. It, didn't, it never brought it up in the book. So... Cold Thunder ended up meeting him in a in a town and like called in a favor because he suspected this was going to happen. And he's like, oh, getting good with this long nosed guy. And then if you capture her, bring her to me. So they do that. So then they come up with this idea where the entourage is going to split up. 
And she and Colt are going to go off separately to confuse this guy. So they do that and they start to fall in love. And But his, his condition on taking her is that they do it his way, but also he gets free access to her the whole time. So he's like, if I want to fuck you, I'm going to fuck you. And she's like, all right, that's fine. Um, and they do in the wilderness and stuff. And one particularly particular scene that I'm going to read to you because it's the wackiest sex <laughs> I've ever read in a story or heard of in my life. And I was like, good job. And we've read good. books where people fuck ghosts. So, yes. Yes, this is, it was bananas to me. So um, anyway, so that they they get away and then they arrive at his sister's ranch. So Jesse and Jesse really likes this duchess. Um, and then the duchess ends up because she wanted to like establish another stud farm. Like she doesn't want to be royalty. She just wants to have like another horse farm basically. So she ends up buying the neighbor's house next to her si- his sister, who was the same house where he worked where he almost got killed, right? She didn't know that. Nobody told her. So she's establishing this, like, ranch, and then Jesse goes to visit her brother, who now is, like, fucking drunk because racism, um, <laughs> living in his cottage in the woods. Um, and she's like, you know, like, she's out there in this house, on her own, she's not putting up any walls because she wants to kill this long nose guy whenever he comes. She wants to be able to see him. He's like, which idiot told her to do that? It was him. He was the idiot that told her to do that. So he's like, well, <laughs> I haven't seen her in weeks, so I'm going to go and tell her what for. Um, so cut back to um, our girl, Jocelyn. She's like in her house. And then a fire breaks out in her in her stables. So she has to like, she goes outside. And she's like, oh no, my horses, my horses. And she has this horse that she loves called Sir George. who's like also a stud. So um, he's very, very valuable to her. So she's like, I have to save my horses, but Sir George won't just go with anyone. So she rips off her shirt, runs into this burning barn, wraps her shirt around the horse's eyes, and then gets him and this other guy out of the fire. Because, like, she's more than meets the eye, Julie. She's like, very courageous and rebellious. So she's out there with like her fucking camisole on her little titties in the wind. And she's like, okay, I better go upstairs and get changed. Oh my God. Like everything just burnt down, but like <laughs> my titties are out. So she runs back upstairs and who is in her room, but John fucking long nose with a gun at her. And she's like, just fucking shoot me, man. Like, I'm going to kill you if you don't. But he's like, I want to strangle you to death. <laughs> and she's like, catch me. So she runs, she runs. <laughs> she knows he's not going to shoot her. She gets to the stairs Halfway up the stairs, there's Colt Thunder. Of course there is. He's like, not today, motherfucker. And I was really upset about this scene because he robs her of the opportunity of killing John Lundos herself. And I realized it was maybe life or death, but I was like, she she earned that. She earned that shot. So he shoots John Lundos. They go and like, she goes upstairs to like go change her shirt. He drinks some brandy. Um, And then he joins her at the window and he's like, Will you marry me? And she's like, maybe. Like, that's it. She's like, maybe. And she's like, you want me to have your babies and wash your clothes and live in that shack? And she's, he's like, yeah, but you're an awful cook, so you're never going to cook. You better bring some of those servants. Um, and she's like, I bet you want, to get, want me to give all my money away, too. And he's like, maybe. And that's how the story ends. What? Yeah. They Whoa. get married. I guess they're going to get married. Um, what an unlikely pair, this odd couple of a duchess and, and a half-breed in, in the West. Wow, what a wacky pair, Julie. What a wacky pair. Um, it, you know what? Cold Thunder likes to finger-bang, and Jocelyn likes to be finger-banged. They really only have sex twice in this book. There's lots of finger-banging. Um, I did love the, like, rapey finger-bang. Like that wasn't yeah. for me, but the other scenes were spicy. They're all right. Um, and because shitty whiskey is a theme, I'm going to say like four out of five shitty uh, saloon whiskeys. <laughs> all right. They were spicy. Um, the thing I didn't like, like Colt is an asshole. The whole, he's so awful. He's so mean and awful. Not as awful as my guy last week, the Regency guy, like Colt, he does have a heart of gold. Um, but because of reverse racism, Julie, like he's the bad guy in this book and she's just an Englisher who has no idea what racism is. She doesn't understand. 
so the book was, eh, it was all right. It was all right. Um, it was well written. I enjoyed it. It was a wacky ride. Um, too many characters. Uh, to yeah, keep track too of. many characters with the same name. Um, yeah, like a million Billies. Yeah. Yeah, like no. Um, mm-hmm. So what would you rate it for Spice then? Yeah, four out of five saloon whiskeys. But like, wow. Okay. Yeah, like well, the sex. The sex was it was spicy. I mean, it loses points because of like constant threat of rape. Yeah. Um, but she wasn't like she was not a victim in this book. Like she was really like very feisty. She was a spitfire. So like, I I appreciated that as a character. But like, I'm just I'm just rating the consensual sex they had together, <laughs> including the wacky scene I'm going to read for you. Oh my and God. you'll understand why I gave it four out of five. Okay, like, they lost. Like, a- I was like, say it again. Are you sure it's four out of five? But now I just I think it's reenactment time. I think you need to convince me yeah. of this. Okay. Read me some wacky right. sex, Renee. <laughs> it's wacky. It's wacky. Um, so this is this is taking place when um they've they've separated from the group and they're traveling alone. Um, and Jocelyn is exhausted because they left in the middle of the night after um oh, he she got back to the to the hotel. Um and she's like, I just need to fucking sleep. So he's like, okay. He's like, come and sleep. And he like she, he puts her on his horse. So she can sleep in his arms. I'm just like, oh, that's so nice. However, <laughs> here we go. Chapter 38. She climaxed in her dream. She woke up with it, still throbbing, the most blissful languor drifting through her limbs and not a clue to what she had been dreaming about, though it wasn't difficult to hazard a guess. Jocelyn, Jocelyn stretched deliciously, yawned, and realized she was on a horse. Her eyes popped open to a number of other realizations clamoring for notice. The sun was setting. The horse was just plodding along, its reins wrapped around the saddle horn. Her jacket was wide open, as was her blouse, and the right side of her lacy camisole was tucked beneath her breast, exposing that plump mound to the rosy glow of the sunset. But that wasn't even the worst of it. Her skirt was hiked up to her hips, revealing the unladylike spread of her legs on either side of the horse, and between her legs, cold thunder! About time you woke up. (laughs) Remove your hand at once. I like it where it is. I don't care what you... Stop screeching, Duchess, or we won't have any dinner tonight. You'll have scared away every animal for miles around. She was close to sputtering, while he offered her nothing but a lazy drawl. To hell with dinner! You can't! He interrupted her again. I already have. And leave your blouse alone. It took me damn long. Uh, damn long time getting it open, and I like it too, as it is. When she didn't obey him, his fingers delved more deeply inside of her. She gave a tiny moan of protest or pleasure. He wasn't sure which. Neither was she, but finally her hands fell away from her clothes to grip his thighs instead. That's better, he bent to whisper by her ear. Do you still want me to remove my hand? She wouldn't answer. You liked it, didn't you? She still wouldn't answer, but her back arched, her head reared back, and her fingers were now kneading his thighs in a desperate manner. Again, this is Fabio on a horse. <laughs> he took advantage of her exposed neck to graze his teeth along her skin, sending ripples of excitement down to her belly. His other hand, which had been spread across her middle to hold her against him, came up now to her exposed breast. The nipple was already hard and begging for his touch. He teased it a while before satisfying it with the firm pressure of his palm in a circular motion. The other breast was soon bared for the same tantalizing treatment, and the fingers of his other hand still slowly moving. I'm sorry I couldn't wait, Duchess, but you were given fair warning, weren't you? His hot breath filling her ears was nearly her undoing. I didn't expect to be attacked when I wasn't looking. She finally got out, only to hear him chuckle. It makes no difference when or how, when it's not up to you. You relinquished all choices when you agreed to take off with me. Actually, you relinquished them a while back. You just didn't know it. (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) If a Cheyenne maiden allows a warrior to touch her body intimately, that warrior couldn't be criticized if he then treated her in a proprietary manner. (laughs) It would, in fact, be unusual if he didn't consider her his belonging. You allowed me more than a mere touch, didn't you, Duchess? Proprietary? Belonging? Why wasn't she incensed by these words? And why was it uh, the deep timber of his voice stimulating what she was already feeling? And his fingers. Dear Lord, she could barely draw breath to answer him. 
I'm not Cheyenne. No, but I am. Only half. And the white half has had one hell of a time resisting 22 years of ingrained customs and beliefs lately. Now turn around. What? Turn around, I want you facing me. But why? Why do you think? There was enough insinuation in that to give her the answer. And he had ensured, with the deft movements of his fingers deep inside her and with his possession of her breasts, that she wouldn't object to his intention too strenuously. She just couldn't believe he was serious about the way he meant to do it. Why don't you stop the horse? And waste time spread in a blanket? I'd have to take my hands off you to do that, and I don't think I can. Besides, this is the way I thought about it, Duchess, when you were making all those sexy little sounds in your sleep. You rode my fingers to the rhythm of my horse. I want you riding me to the same rhythm. She was lifting her leg over the horse's neck before he'd even finished talking. He helped her bring the other one around. There was a brief problem with her script, but by the time she'd solved it, he was also ready. And before she even thought to wonder how they were going to do this, he lifted her, impaled her, and then dug his heels into his mount. With a gasp, all Jocelyn could do was hold on. It was the most incredible ride of her life. Arms locked around Colt's neck, legs around his hips. She didn't have to move a muscle, just glide with the motion of the man and the horse. It was when Colt took the animal through its slower gates that things got really interesting, especially when he no longer moved with the flow of motion, but against it, forcing her to bounce, grind, and slam against him. By the time the horse came to a standstill, she had climaxed three times, yeah, right, with soul-seeking intensity. She was also slightly dazed, so it took her a while to realize that they had stopped or that Colt was kissing her in a sweetly tender way. Are you all right? I haven't the faintest idea. So that was Sex on a Horse with Colt Thunder. <laughs> it's my sex on a horse. Yeah. <laughs> it's my sex on a horse. Yeah. Riding out west, having sex on a horse with this duchess from also, England. Save a horse, ride a cowboy, <laughs> or ride a horse with a cowboy, <laughs> or ride a cowboy with a horse. You know, yeah. whatever combo of that. Yeah, um, so we got four to five because that caught me off guard and I blushed a little. Well, I, I mean, shit, girl, if you can get Renee to blush, you are in. That's right. So four to five saloon whiskeys okay for savage thunder now hit me girl i'm ready <laughs> okay so uh, i'm also gonna read a sex scene a sexy scene i guess um just to because i mean it was that or i just read racist things and that just hurt my heart too much so this is just to give you a sense of the extreme real cliche that was this romance novel um where to begin okay so they're like in bed together but not like they're like i like you but they haven't you know anyways this is on their journey to go meet her husband um and him to go find his brother <sighs> a smile wanted to come to his lips but the gravity of the situation prevented it i suppose not how he wanted to hold her to touch her soft skin and secret places he was sure only he had set eyes on now he didn't want anyone else to ever see or touch those places he didn't want to just wash and comb her hair or wrap her wounds and bathe her fevers. He wanted to ravish her, Hello. to wrap his hands in, in that hair while he tasted her mouth and moved inside her virgin body. But she seemed too good and sweet and innocent to put up with the kind of life she would leave being married to a half-breed. It was only when he had thought of the word married. Such a thing was ridiculous to think about. This soon, impossible to dream it could ever be, even if he had known her much longer than these few days. He was letting his feelings run away with him, and he wondered just when he had lost control of himself like a stupid young boy. Was it when she had first got off the coach at San Antonio? He turned away, running a hand through his hair, unable to look into those green eyes any longer without falling into them, never to return to his logical, practical self. I never should have let on last night how much I felt about you, he told her. I'm sorry about all of it. You're out here to marry someone else. It's probably just, just being thrown together like this, what we've been through and all. It isn't just that, and you know it, she replied, braver now that she had spilled out her feelings. As long as she had gone this far, she was not going to let him lie this way out of it, just because he thought it was best for her. You feel the same way I do, I know it. You don't know anything, he answered, now sounding angry again. He whirled, his eyes nearly blazing. What the hell do you know? An 18-year-old pampered city girl who got up to know who 
up to now has never known anything but a sheltered life with a dotting aunt. How many men have you dated, Jenny? What do you really know about man? He stepped closer, hating himself, his heart torn at the sad, pouting look on her face. It was obvious she was about ready to cry again. Good. Maybe he could shake her dangerous feelings. And how do you know I don't find all white women fascinating? How do you know you aren't just one of many? Maybe it's like Buck said, little girl. Maybe men like me just pant after women with light skin and red or yellow hair. Maybe I did take advantage of things yesterday. God knows I could have, and you would have hardly known the difference. She drew in her breath, refusing to take her eyes off his, refusing to look frightened or to let him browbeat her into backing off. Her face felt on fire, but the thought of losing him outweighed any inhibitions. I imagine I would have known the difference all right, she answered, shocking him with her bold reply. I've never been with a man, and I've never even wanted to be with one till now, and you're a rotten liar, Wade Morrow. I'm the first woman with light skin you've ever had special feelings for since Rebecca, except maybe the kind of woman a man pays for favors. I know about those things. I know more than you think. My Aunt Esther told me a lot of things, and one thing I've always been sure of is that when the right man came along, I'd know it. Up to now, I figured running away from Uncle John would mean I'd never have that free choice. But I'm thinking maybe I still do. I love you, and you can't lie me out of it or bully me out of it. She finally dropped her eyes. Right now, I don't think I can stand on this leg another minute. She slowly lowered herself, and he reached out when she wavered, helping her the rest of the way to the ground. She met his eyes then, seeing tears in them. Damn you, he whispered. In the next moment, he met her mouth in a crushing kiss that sent her senses reeling. She moved her arms from under the blanket and wrapped them around his neck, the blanket falling away from her. His kiss lingered, hot and penetrating, as he sank down between her, drawing her onto his lap, his left hand digging into her hair, his other hand moving up under her chemise, gently rubbing at her bare back while his tongue slacked in her mouth in a kiss that was leaving her breathless. He finally like an oyster, mouth. gross. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> he finally left her mouth, <laughs> moving his lips over her eyes, whispering her name, tasting hungrily at her lips again before trailing his own down over her throat while his right hand moved around to the front of her chemise, up over the gauze that still wrapped her ribs, his thumb rubbing daringly at the base of one breast, bringing a whimper of desire from her lips. He could not resist the open invitation to take greater pleasures, and he met her mouth in another burning kiss while his thumb gently rubbed over a taut, virgin nipple. <laughs> Jennifer, Jennifer thought she might faint with ecstasy. In her wildest dream, she never thought she could enjoy such things so much, and that she could really want a man to touch her, taste her, make a woman of her. Now she could not imagine that man being anyone but Wade Morrow. He left her mouth, bending his head to kiss at the whites of her breasts. She was sure he would pull the chemise off her breast and taste the nipple that lay erect and waiting just under the soft cotton garment. But suddenly, he drew his hand from under the chemise and simply pulled her into his arms, kissing her hair while she lay nestled in his arms. We've got to slow down, Jenny, he said, his voice husky with repressed desires. We've got to think about this. There's nothing to think about, she said, her own voice weak. I love you, and you love me. Tell me you don't love me, Wade. He let out a long, shuddering sigh. You know I love you, he groaned. That's the hell of it. And scene. Ooh, I need, like, I need a handkerchief to just fan myself for a little while. Ooh, I'm getting Ooh. the vapors. I'm getting the vapors. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Um, wow. That was our spicy week. Julie, these are, like, Real romance novels. These aren't like funny ones. These have the cover. These have the racism. These have the redheads with green eyes that look like aliens. These books are, these are what we were looking for. These are the romance novels of our youth, of our childhood. A hundred percent. These are literally, yeah, exactly. These are the books that my mom read, that my mom's friends read, that I just grew up seeing growing up uh, in the 80s and 90s. This is it. I mean, this is 1991 height of romance fabio's on the cover Whew. um i even have a little sticker on mine that says it's a 4.99 value but now only 2.99 um, so you know 2.99 and 91 it's not chum change i'll tell you that right quick <laughs> um no <Nah>, you're right <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, i mean just with that so i mean this was our fabio week had a blast um Tell the kids what we're uh, going to be talking about next week, Renee. Oh my God. I have been waiting 
for this to read this book. We are doing time travel. Do, 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 do. And we are not reading Outlander. So don't get excited. It's not happening. We're going no. for some deep cut time mm -hmm. travel romance novels next week. Mm. I'm excited. I am so excited. I've been sitting on this book. We picked this episode so I could read this book. <laughs> we built the season around this book for you so i'm <laughs> real excited um, i'm so glad we're back we took a bit of a break because back to school is a bit chaotic um but we're yeah. back with an episode every week and next week we will be back with some time travel but it was nice chatting with you renee it was so nice chatting with you do you want to sing us out bud sure do <clears throat> ravage love ravage love bye bye Artwork for the podcast was created by Karen McKnight. Special thanks to Press Start to Join for production assistance. For gaming and tech news, search Press Start to Join or on social media at PS, the number two, J Show. Connect with us online at Ravage Love on Instagram and by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com. Mm -hmm.